Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Was it like in a white house almost. It was either Jean Froze or Gotros or some kind of name like I that. Think, Do you remember? I think you're looking for Junos. Junos, that's what it was. Yes. Are they still in business or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no was there. Yeah, Junos. It's well, a, that's, that's, a, that's a West Bank classic. That's uh, one of the better ones. That's one of the better ones I can remember right there at Junos. Yeah, and also uh, a hot wiener po' boy. You can get get yourself a, a hot dog po' boy covered in chili and onions. <laughs> the old-fashioned way. Wow. Okay. Well, we're talking about roast beef, but Juno's, that's the name of it. Thank you, Ian McNulty. Yeah, absolutely. I thank you, Dave Cohen. How you been, Ian? Where you been eating? What you been doing? It's been a busy week, Tommy. A um, lot of stuff. Been sort of been been running the map actually uh, between New Orleans and Metairie and, and all over. Um, one of the big stories this week is concerning a, uh, a a restaurant that a lot of people have asked me about, Faustos. Uh, been around for a long time on Vets over mm-hmm. there by Dorniacs, right next to the old Royal China, an Italian restaurant known specifically for Sicilian food. Um, and, you know, the, the astute uh, veterans the boulevard driver may have noticed that it was closed down and there was major construction work going on with it. But that continues. Um, Fausto's has new owners now. Uh, two local guys bought it from the Italian brothers who founded it back in 1990. And uh, they are planning to bring it back. It's probably a m- month and a half or so away from, from that happening. Um, but it was it was time for the uh, for the founders to retire, uh, and it was uh, a good opportunity for these new guys to step up. Uh, Michael and Stephen, two cousins from the West Bank, actually, uh, and they're uh, they're uh, giving it a, a fresh re- restart, uh, expanding it a bit to make it a little. <laughs> this is what Michael told me. He ran the restaurant for about a month after buying it with the owners and the, and the original staff and everybody in place. Didn't change anything. Just wanted to see how it functioned. He said, "I, I got three three complaints were it's too loud, it's too crowded, and there's no parking." He says, "Well, there's nothing I can do about the parking right now, but when we open this new Fausto's, I want it to feel the same, I want it to eat the same, but I think we can make it a little more comfortable, a little more space between the tables, a uh, little little less." Uh, a little less volume inside. And so that's the aim of their renovation. If you go to NOLA.com, you can see some renderings that they've got up there of, of what it's going to look like um, when they do open it, reopen it. But the good news is they, they want to keep the menu the same. They've got the same chef, and they're bringing back the same staff. So uh, Fausto's, that, that neon sign, will shine again soon on Vets. And while we're on vets tommy it's been a big week for news of, of long-standing metairie restaurants in, in the midst of change because just a couple miles up the road we're going up river now closer to causeway 
Shogun, probably the most influential sushi restaurant. I'm going to say it, definitely the most influential sushi restaurant in New Orleans because of its longevity and because of all the talent that's come through its sushi bar. Uh, it, too, has new owners. So Miss Peggy was the founder. Uh, she started it, in, I believe, 1982. Uh, she retired, and uh, you know, a longtime manager has been running it since. Uh, but just at the beginning of the year, that restaurant was sold uh, to a couple, uh, Neil Yao and his wife, Davina. Uh, they're both from China originally, and they have quietly built up a pretty impressive portfolio of restaurants in New Orleans by doing just this thing, buying existing restaurants often from people who, um, you know, the founders who are ready to retire, to wit, uh, Five Happiness Chinese restaurant on Carrollton Avenue, and right down the street, maybe two blocks away, if that Chinese kitchen, uh, a very different Chinese restaurant, both very popular in their own right with different clientels. Uh, those are both restaurants they own. And also Saki Cafe, so they're in the sushi game already, on the one on Magazine Street Uptown, not the one in Metairie. That's run differently. But now they're in charge of Shogun. And I had to go by when I heard this news uh, because I think Shogun's a very important restaurant, and I wanted to see if anything had changed. Uh, and the good news is, it felt uh, an eight, just as I remember it from my last visit, which was over the summer, not that long ago. So uh, it, is, it is consistently sailing on, and that's good news because it is a, a really significant restaurant. If, if For people who aren't familiar, if you've driven through Metairie, you've seen it. I mean, it's been there forever. Uh, but it's the kind of place when you walk in, you can think, oh, this is, you know, your sort of normal Japanese restaurant, hibachi grill you know, there's people sitting around those 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 grill tables up front. It's very family friendly. It's busy. It's bustling. There's families. Uh, it looks like the kind of sort of something for everyone Japanese restaurant. And to an extent, it is. But if you park yourself at the sushi bar and take a look at the specials board and take a look at what's actually on the menu, uh, it is like low key one of the really good places for sushi hounds. People like myself who are always looking for something they haven't had before or something you just can't get just anywhere, things that they're flying in from the Japanese fish markets. And that continues. And they're, they're the lead sushi chef there, a man named Tammy May, uh, is still running it. He's still right there at the at the fulcrum of, the, of that long, long sushi bar. They're running the show often with just a word, a nod, or a, or a look at the staff who are running around this busy restaurant. Uh, and the sushi was, uh, as, as I remembered it, and uh, in a, in a highlight of, of Shogun, things I hadn't had in a long time were back rotating through. So uh, that's good news. You know, we'll, we'll see how things develop there. But, you know, one of the reasons I say it's important is, is some, some restaurants in our community have this role that actually extends beyond their walls. Uh, now think about Commander's Palace. Uh, I've said the Commander's Palace is sort of the finishing school for New Orleans culinary talent. And think of all the chefs who have gone on to open restaurants or run restaurants uh, around New Orleans, and in the case of Commander's Palace, really all over the country, a huge reach. And, you know, many, many, many of them will, will point to their early training and early days at Commander's Palace and what they learned there, whether it was from T. Martin or from the chefs through the years or from uh, the late, great Ella Brennan, most especially perhaps. Well, Shogun is like that for the local sushi scene. You, you, you think about a, a, like all the sushi restaurants around New Orleans today, and there's a pretty good chance uh, that the owner or certainly the chef came through the sushi bar at Shogun. And so that's 
the Miss Peggy, who, who the founder of it, she had an eye for talent. She would often recruit people from other markets to come in and run her sushi bar. And you know, we're, we're, when you look around at what I think is a really a the golden age for sushi in New Orleans right now, if you're into it, which I certainly am. Uh, Shogun has had an outsized impact on making that so. Uh, and today it remains a bustling, fun, delicious place where, you know, the next generation might be getting their first taste of sushi as something as accessible as a California roll or the, you know, theatrics and flair of the hibachi table. But well, you'll find me at that corner of the sushi bar, you know, scoping out what's on the specials list. So, Boy, between the two of those places, you know, a lot of years, uh, places that a lot of people know, and right now they're uh, they're navigating pretty significant change, but all things do look promising there. Interesting text comes in. Does Ian McNulty eat gas station sushi? <laughs> gas station sushi. I would if I could find good gas station sushi. Yeah. I'm definitely not above it. I mean, I, I eat the heck out of some gas station fried chicken. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know I eat some gas station boudin. I eat gas station po'boys. If I could get a line on good gas station sushi, I sure would. Uh, that's not something I've ever discovered. Interesting, because uh, you know, if we go to if we go to Japan, perhaps uh, I bet there's some amazing gas station sushi in Japan. Yeah, interesting, because my dad owned a gas station. I grew up in a gas station. I won't eat anything from a gas station. I guess it's just the way I was raised. Somebody's texting in here about a couple of people about the bread. That when we talk about a roast beef po' boy, we need to mention the bread. Who's got the best bread? Because that is an integral ingredient, is it not? Oh, absolutely. The, the po' boy is defined by po' boy bread. Mm-hmm. And, you know, much to the consternation of, of people who are visiting here or from out of town uh, who move here, you know, when we call it French bread, that we do not mean anything that you're finding at the French bakery. We do not mean a, a chewy, crusty baguette. What we mean is specifically New Orleans po' boy bread, which has that that crackly crust, that, uh, that thin edge to it, that, um, that sort of light, airy interior that is just ideal for compressing around your fried seafood or absorbing the gravy and your mayonnaise, mayonnaise, depending on how you want to say it. Mayonnaise. And all the stuff that comes along with a great po' boy. And it is, uh, it, it is, it, it really is, it, that is what makes the po' boy. And instead of just being a sandwich or a hoagie or a sub or whatever, and you know, this is an important point. New Orleans once had dozens, if not many more times that, uh, small bakeries that were producing specifically this, along with your muffalata bread and other you know, your cat bread and other specialties of, of the New Orleans table. And now it's down to a handful. You know, we're, if we're talking about the best bread for po'boys, in my mind, that's Leidenheimer or John Genduza Bakery. And each has its distinguishing characteristics and each has their dedicated clientele but i will tell you many restaurants and po'boy shops also alternate they use both uh you know, so some are dedicated to one shop or the other but very many of them will will trade off just to ensure that they always have some uh and that surprised me to learn that that uh, you know i thought it was always going to be one or the other but now you can go to a place and it may be leidenheimer and next time it could be jendusa but they're both cutting cutting from the same cloth this is bread that's made in the traditional new orleans way but but you know as you say that that also includes vietnamese bakeries does it not because some of the best french bread i've gotten has come from um, what's the name of the one on terry parkway 
You're thinking a high dough bakery. High dough with the really crisp crust and and the and the um, smooth interior. You know what I'm talking about? A really good French bread. Oh yes, no, this is an excellent point, Tommy. Because while the ranks of traditional, the old school New Orleans bakeries have, have dwindled, you know, many people remember when Binder was around and it closed just a few years ago after a decline. That was very sad. It was kind of shocking. Like, mm-hmm. oh my God, that's one of the one of the greats is gone. But the 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 more positive side of that is just what you mentioned, that the Vietnamese baking tradition is very strong, um, you know, a historic result of French colonization of Vietnam, uh, which is, you know, why they have traditions there that are very different from other places that you see in Southeast Asia. And that has come over to New Orleans with the blessing of the Vietnamese community that has thrived here mm-hmm. and in the food world of huge impact. And you can see it very clearly through bakeries. And so, yeah, the the, the, the same bread that you that you find cradling your banh mi Vietnamese sandwich, uh, turns out that translates pretty well over to po' boys too. And, we, you know, we, there, there are restaurants that use that use the Vietnamese bread exclusively that are not Vietnamese restaurants at all for their po' boys or for the table. We got to take a break here, but something a Vietnamese baker once told me was that because of the climate, the similarity in climate between here in Vietnam and the humidity, that has a lot to do with making French bread and having it come out right. And to be clear, God bless all our friends at the supermarkets. What they put out is not real French bread, correct? No, it's not. Yeah. But, you know, but it'll do in a pinch. Exactly. But, you know, it's good. I mean, you, you, you pinch it. You talk about pinch. You eat half of it before you get home. You're eating it out of the bag. I understand that. But that, that had a lot to do with it. So I'm getting some text here about, since you brought up gas station po' boys, some good neighborhood corner store places for roast beef po' boys. And I do have a lot of texts coming in here, people with their favorites, some of the suggestions. Parasols, of course, they have a good one. Um, somebody else brought up um, Shortstop, Po' Boys, Tracy's, which is in the Irish Channel, Parkway, of course, um, R&O Restaurant, they got it going, which is on a different kind of bread. It's almost like an Italian bread, if I remember correctly. Mothers hadn't been there in a long time. Domelisa's, can't forget about them with the paper plates, right? Paper plates and ketchup and hot sauce. There you go. So uh, stay tuned if you have any questions, comments, 504-260-1870. Where's your best place to get a roast beef po' boy? Somebody texted in that we have a nerve talking about this on Friday during Lent. But as Ian and I discussed last year, if you've ever been to a Catholic celebration, especially if fundraising is involved and it's Lent, they tend to give you some kind of them, uh, what do you call them, dispensations for Fridays and meat. We'll take a break. Come back. WWL. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Talking to A. McNulty, as we do every Friday, he covers food and dining culture for the Times-Speaking New Orleans Advocate. 
We struck a nerve with the best roast beef po'boy in town. I'm getting a lot of texts from people with suggestions. Some looking for some hidden treasures because we mentioned the top ones, right? The the Domelises, the Parkways, the, the, the Rocky and Carlos, the R&Os, Parasols. Don't want to leave anybody out. Tracy's. But some of the ones, Ian, maybe some hidden gems. What would you suggest? Oh, yeah, this is great. Yeah, you know, you know them, you love them. Parans with yeah. the, the roast beef bath. You know, these are, these are the big names for sure. Right. But dive a little deeper. Um, this is a great place in Metairie called Guillory's Deli. Mm-hmm. It's on uh, Durbany Street, but the Metairie version of Durbany Street. It's off of airline, runs parallel to the airline. You, you, you turn off of the off of airline, you go past this old pool hall that looks like it's in a uh, uh, film noir kind of movie script, and then you come across Guillory's, and you know it's good because by about eleven ten a.m. Uh, it'll be chock-a-block up and down the block with uh, contractor vans and plumber vans and things like this. These mm-hmm. guys know where to eat. Yeah. Uh, and and where's yep, that and so you, It's on Durbany Street in Metairie, the Metairie version of Durbany okay. Street, uh, just off of airline, just past Causeway. And the name of it but again? But you again, ha- you have to know it's there, Guillory's. Okay. Yeah, and okay. great roast beef po' boy, good fried chicken, good um, – Hot tamales. In fact, they make a like a you know the, the New Orleans style hot tamales. They make a they actually make a, a po' boy with hot tamales. Really, it's the kind of thing. Yeah, you just if you don't have a hangover when you when you're eating it, you want to run out and get yourself one. You know, before you finish the other half. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, also on the, on the tip of uh, wait, wait a minute, if you don't have a hangover when you're eating it, you want to run out and get one when you finish. That's great. Okay, go yeah, ahead. Go go find you one. Just go find you one somewhere. They're everywhere. They're easy yeah. to find. Uh, <laughs> I also on the tip of hidden gems for po' boys, uh, don't sleep on Adam Street Grocery, which is on, wait for it, mm-hmm. Adam Street, mm-hmm. uh, off of Carrollton Avenue near Maple, uh, kind of between the Maple and Oak uh, corridors there. And it's a grocery store. Uh, it's a grocery store that is, m- at this point, mainly about the deli and back. And they make great po' boys. They make them on, on that Vietnamese-style bread we were talking about before the break. Mm-hmm. And they make them for a bargain. I mean, this is still a place where you're going to get a good-sized po' boy for under 10 bucks. I think they still have po' boys there for under 5 bucks, if you get in the half on some of them. Maybe not the fried seafood, but, you know, some of the, some of the deli meat ones. And uh, it's, it's terrific. And the roast beef is legit for any price. So that, that's, a, that's a great score. And you can go in there. This is near Tulane and Loyola University, so you can go in there at lunch. And watch uh, watch the college kids shuffling through in their pajamas, uh, you know, rolling out of bed at uh, at eleven thirty when you're halfway through your day, and remember when as you walk out of there with your po' boy wrapped up tight to, to eat in your car. Any others? Well, that's, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good smattering right there for you, right? We've got right. Metairie, we got Uptown covered. Okay, don't forget. Look, we mentioned Juno's. Right. But we said it at the top. So for those of you just tuning in now, because you're aghast that we're talking about roast beef po'boys on a Friday during Lent, uh, Juno's over in, on the West Bank. Of Again, they play pretty fast and loose with those dispensations. <laughs> Let's be honest about it, right? Somebody else yes, indeed. texted in about Bon Mi sandwiches since you mentioned those, some of the better places to get Bon Mi's. And for those that don't know, that's like a Vietnamese po'boy in a way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was it was Bay restaurant that that I first saw term it Vietnamese po' boy. Although it's right there for you, you know. It's it's this is the traditional sandwich they make in Vietnam. No one that had ever heard of the word po' boy Vietnam, perhaps, but they've been making sandwiches like that there forever. But over here, it makes sense to call it the Vietnamese po' boy, and just when you see it, you know it. I mean, it, it's a it's a small sandwich. It's made on a pistolet. 
uh, but it's crammed with well, whatever they're putting in it. I mean, the classic are these Vietnamese cold cuts um, that are, you know, somewhere between an Asian meat market and a, a French charcuterie shop. You know, that, that's the style there. So there's lots of crunchy, fatty, peppery bits in the in the meats, various pork products, and then smeared with pate. You know, this is something a lot more French than Southeast Asian, right? But then over that, get, you're getting shredded carrot and daikon radish, hot uh, chili pepper rings, and uh, cool little wisps of cilantro, and then maybe some spicy mayo slathered in there too. Now they, they come in all different varieties. You can get them with you know, small little spicy meatballs. You can get them with fish cakes. You can get vegetarian versions. You can get them with some rotisserie lemongrass chicken. Um, but where to get them? I mean, I mentioned Photo Bay is the first place I ever had it, so. That that's always on my on my mental map. But the the, the thing I love about them is they're they've they've spread around the city quite a bit. Dongfeng out in the east is famous for them. You know, if you're heading out uh, out of town towards the east, that's a great stop off. And that's the kind of place where people will go in. They won't get one; they'll get a dozen. You know, they're bringing them to a party or to someone's house. Um, Bon Mi Boys is a fun twist on the idea. It's like a more modern style where they actually do blend the idea of Bon Mi and Po Boy, hence the name Bon Mi Boys. They've got two locations. There's one on Magazine Street over by uh, the Bulldog Tavern and Bromart over there on Magazine. And the other one is actually, speaking of hidden gems, tucked away, hidden into this uh, Texaco station on um, on airline when you're heading out there towards uh, the NOLA Gold Gold Mine there, the rugby stadium. Uh, and the Saints training facility that happens to be next to it. Uh, it's up there on, uh, I want to call that transcontinental and airline. And that's a, a great find for it too. Um, Mr. Bubbles Cafe is uh, another Bon Me shop. And you know, th- we're talking about Mr. Bubbles. This is classic because it's the kind of place where it's just all they do is Bon Me and the, and the bubble teas. You know, it, it's, it's straightforward like that. It's a walk up counter, you order, bing, bang, boom, you're on your way with some Bon Me and a bubble tea. Um, they've got one location on Canal Street, uh, kind of just past the Sanger, it's like in, a, in one of these uh, renovated office buildings here on Canal, kind of closer to Claiborne, I should say. And then the other one, the original one on the West Bank, is in the, the atrium of Hong Kong Market, the, the great Asian food superstore out there on, um, on Terry Parkway. And uh, that's, a, that's a great place for it, too. And they have, actually have a fusion version that I love. Where they 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 take a, a banh mi and the filling is a New Orleans style linka hot sausage that's been cooked in crab boil. Mm. Talk about delicious! Wow, who would think of that? Yeah, uh, a second generation Vietnamese person living in New Orleans, <laughs> just blending the traditions. Hot sausage of, boiled in crab boil. Is that what you're saying? Yep, yep, that's right. Like plucked it out of the crab boil. You know, you, you, before you. You know, before you deploy it on the on the on the table, spread yeah, out. How, over we your, your in? The how we dress that? How we dress it on top of Ian's column on the Times Picayune, <laughs> so you can stare at you <laughs> while you eat, or the obits, okay. uh, which is what's going to happen to you if you have too many hot sausage po' boys. Just a just a mortality reminder there in the midst of your meal. Uh, no, that'll be dressed with with again the carrots, daikon radish, the cooling wisps of cilantro uh, on that bread, that that wonderful crusty bread, just delicious. And while we're on the topic of, of you know, sort of a, a fusion of cultures yeah. here. Um, another story I did this week, part of that video series that you, that you and I have been talking about. Me and my colleague Chelsea, we went to visit this place again on the West Bank uh, called TD Fa House, and it's a 
uh, Vietnamese restaurant, but they do wonderful things with uh, with seafood, especially with crabs. And the, the really distinctive dish there, they call it salt and pepper crabs. That These are blue crabs, local blue crabs. He gets them from you know, the West Wego shrimp lot, boils them, hacks them into pieces, chucks them in the deep fryer, and then after the deep fryer, rolls them around in the wok. Uh, so they're, they're boiled, they're fried, and then they're stir-fried. And then they're served on a platter. You know, it's all this. Wait, this wait, hold on, on. Slow your roll crab. there. What are we doing with this crab? <laughs> we're, we're boiling it. Boiling it. Frying it. All right. And then walking it around the walk. Take a walk around the walk. Stay with me now. Uh, and then served on a platter with this spicy, earthy, delicious uh, saute sauce, kind of this chili pepper sauce. And, again, fresh herbs and onions and peppers that have been cooked in the wok that pick up that, that, that flavor of iron and oil that you get from wok cooking. And you get in there, and this is like a roll up your sleeves and just get down and dirty with these crabs. And it's fantastic. And to me, it brings to mind a lost meal that I know a lot of your listeners will remember this restaurant, Kim Sun, one of the great uh, kind of early generation yeah. restaurants on the, on, the, on the West Bank for Vietnamese food. They had uh, what they called salt-baked crabs, which were not salty nor baked, uh, but to go figure. Uh, but it was the same idea. This is the closest dish I've found to that anywhere in New Orleans. So TD Pho House is uh, the place for that. And a lot of other interesting Vietnamese-flavored uh, interpretations of our, of our local seafood boil. Uh, it's great. And you so, can so see I'm a looking, video of it with Chelsea and I checking it out on my yeah, Instagram. I'm looking at Chelsea holding up a half of a blue crab that's fried. Yeah. Are you eating that whole like a soft shell crab or what are you doing with that? Are you peeling well, it? here's the interesting thing about it. Yeah, you, you want to peel that because this is blue crabs in shell. But because they've been boiled and then fried in the shell, it's a lot softer. So, yeah, you're, you not, you're not eating the whole thing you, like a soft shell. But you could. You, you, no? you, around the edges, you can. Around the edges, you can. The, the parts where the, the crab leg kind of attaches to the body. Mm-hmm. And as you can see in the photos, how it's all chopped up roughly like that. Um, it's, you, you can go at it a lot more aggressively than just the boiled crab where you're, you know, you're getting in there with like jeweler's tools and dental tools to like pick out little bits of meat. This is, it, it comes out much more freely and you can kind of bite into it and pull away. So they boil it, then they fry it, then they stir it around in a wok. Yeah, that's right. It's three-part harmony that, uh, that that ends up with the final result. It's delicious. You can check out the video. You can see the whole thing. We walk you through it real quick. It, it's it's a it's 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 very very intimate, elemental. It's 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 simple in nature, but it's brilliant in its execution. All right, you got a couple more minutes. Sure. All right. For you, well, Tommy. Well, thank you. I want to talk about something else you wrote about hamburgers, and then somebody else texted in since you mentioned tamales about who's got the best tamales, and I got a text from somebody saying that. Um, what was the place with the um, Gillery's? That Gillery's is the blank. And then they added and said they're a plumber, so I guess they would know. And that's a true text that came in. Talking to Ian McNulty about eating and drinking. You got any questions or comments? 504-260-1870. Somebody else texted that it's near Whitey's. Is that what you're talking about? That's the pool hall, yes. That's yes. the film to watch, like pool hall. Gotcha. All right, 942, 18 till 10. More when we come back. Back in a flash, WWE. 947, quickly back to Ian McNulty. Fun fact, Ian, uh, this is your last weekend without daylight saving time. It comes back next Saturday night, Sunday morning. Yeah, it's creeping up on us, and I'm here for it. I love that uh, that long evening sunset. Nice glass of wine on the porch, your favorite patio. Do a little recap. What was the Boil Fry Walk Place? Okay, that was TD 
pho house and seafood that's uh, just off of Manhattan in Harvey. Okay, and what was the name again of the Po' Boy Bon Mi place that did the sandwich of hot sausage boiled in crab boil, please? Mr. Bubbles Cafe. And that's that's where? also in the West Bank in, in the atrium leading to Hong Kong Market, the grocery store, and also they have a location on the other side of the river on Canal. I know, Canal you Street. mentioned a hot tamale po' boy, which just sounds delicious. I presume it's out of the husk, right? That They take the tamale out of the husk because that would be a mess otherwise? Yes, and I should I should uh, specify this is this is this, the, the type of tamale you're not really finding in you know Latin American tamale territory, uh-huh. but very much the deep south, the Delta style tamale. A lot of people around here will still call it the Manuel's, <clears throat> excuse right. me, the Manuel's style tamale from the, the long lost Manuel's hot tamales. So, you know, a thumb sized plug of of beef and fat and masa and grease, the key ingredient. So imagine that in a po' boy with some chopped onions and some hot peppers and some chili. Which is why you're looking for the hangover. Hence the hangover. Yes, exactly. It just came together then when you said that. Um, So how do they dress that? Just a little, what did you say, onion? Yeah, chopped onion, you know, raw onion. You can get it dressed any way you want, but I'm not not putting lettuce and tomato on that. And mayo would just get lost. That is is a New Orleans term. Is it not dressing a sandwich? Dressed, yeah. You know, a hot tamale dresses itself. You know, the grease dresses itself. No, but I mean, Um, the the phrase dressing a sandwich, that's something unique to New Orleans. Yeah. Yes, that's that's one of those explaining at the airport. You know, they're going to ask you how you want your po' boy. They're going to say dressed, and you're going to look at them like, what do you cost them dressed? Well, I'm wearing shorts here. I worked worked in Vegas only eight months of my life, and I remember going into a fast food place and and getting whatever it was. Maybe it was a roast beef on a bun or whatever, and I asked, are y'all going to dress that? And it looked at me as though I was from Mars. They're reaching for the ranch dressing. Yes, exactly. What yeah. other tamale place? Where else can you get a good hot tamale in New Orleans or the area? Well, you know, I was thinking about it on the break, Tommy. And it, it, if we're talking about the New Orleans style, you know, the Delta style, the New Orleans familiar tamale, it's sort of a dwindling breed. Uh, I, I'm, I'm racking my brain to think of a few more places. Mm-hmm. I think the last place I saw one after Guillory's was, uh, you know, seafood markets. They sometimes turn up at the counter of seafood markets. Mm-hmm. Um, so Schaefer and Rusich in Bucktown, last time I was in there scouting out this uh, the strange crawfish season that we're living through, I uh, saw they had some there. High Hat Cafe on Ferret Street is another reliable place for it. Although these are done a little differently. These are, these are tamales that actually are in the husk. It's sort of halfway between what people are thinking about with a Manuel's tamale and, and what you might find at more Latin American places. Uh, but it's very much a Delta-style tamale from further up the, the Mississippi Delta. It's in the husk. It's not It's not nearly so greasy, but it still is delicious. Um, and it's been on the menu since day one over there at Hi-Hat on Ferret Street. Uh, and that's a, that's a reliable spot for them. I but really, I'm... what you see more what, sorry, what, what you see more of these days is, you know, because of the, the obvious growth of the Latin American population around the New Orleans area, is more of the tamales from, from those traditions, mm-hmm. which are different, but... Really, you know, really hit hit the numbers though. They're really good. I want to get to do drop in real quick because I know you wrote about it, and it's an interesting story. Yes, uh, a lot of people know about this place. It's on LaSalle Street in the center of Central City. Uh, just so rich with music history and especially black culture in New Orleans. The kind of place that it came together in the '40s, you know, during segregation, and it started out as a barbershop shop with a bar. 
And, you know, with so few places open to black residents and visitors, uh, it became this place where it offered many of those things all rolled into one. So it became, most importantly, it was a hotel, but also became a music venue. And the list of people who played there is astounding. Like Ray Charles lived there for a while. They wrote music there. Little Richard. Um, You go down the list. Sam Cooke. Uh, Earl King, Bobby Bland, you know, it's just about anybody who was playing music in in black America in that era from the 40s, the 50s, the 60s um, made a stop there. And even though it was a very small venue, uh, it punched way above its weight. Um, and it, you know, it, it's got a role in civil rights history. The, the, the founder, Frank Pena, he allowed white patrons in, even when that was legal during segregation. It was raided by the police many times. Dutch Morial and A.P. Turo, the great civil rights lawyers, they represented it in some lawsuits against the city. The segregation legally ends, uh, and it kind of spelled the demise of the dew drop in from its heyday, and as was open as a hotel for many, many years afterwards, but just really declining and, and was closed and basically falling down after Hurricane Katrina until enter local entrepreneur Curtis Doucette Jr. Uh, he's a developer. He had a vision, and he pulled it together, and really a Herculean task to bring this place back, but it's having its grand opening this weekend, and it is gorgeous and vibrant and, and such just a gleaming symbol of, of pride and culture and history. And I did a walkthrough this week with the great photographer, Chris Granger. All those photos are up on NOLA.com along with the backstory about it. But, you know, the short version, it's back as a hotel. It's a 17-room hotel, beautiful rooms, uh, all just drenched in music history. It's a music club. Irma Thomas, who played there as a teenager, is playing there tonight for the grand opening. Deacon John is playing there. Uh, It's a restaurant, and it's a bar. It's a kind of place you can go in anytime for a drink during the day or a uh, breakfast or lunch. It's uh, it, it's a lot of those things rolled back into one, but really it's a showcase of of this history and the culture that pulses through it. And you think about all the places that we've lost in New Orleans of historical significance and cultural significance of that era. A lot of them bulldozed. Where's where's Louis Armstrong's birthplace? Gone. You know all these things that we just don't have anymore in New Orleans. You drop in was on the list of, of ain't there no more, but it's back now. And it's, it's a great, great comeback story. One of the artists you mentioned in the story, Solomon Burke, takes us out. Thank you, Ian McNulty. Y'all go to Ian McNulty. Just Google it. You can find everything he wrote, everything he's got to say. As pleasure as always, my friend. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Tommy. Enjoyed all the time with you. And have a great weekend yourself. All Cheers right, sir. We'll find out what Noel Norman's got coming up when we come back. Solomon Burke taking us to break on WWL. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.